Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome to a new week, Solar Warrior. Here we go. This is Two for Tuesday. Whether that's a tactical Tuesday or just content from one of our many live events like SPI Podcast Lounge, this is going to be a short form conversation typically with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips and advice for building your solar business or career and grow with us here on Suncast as I know you will. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us again and level up your game. In this particular case, what you are about to hear is content from our career summit. Our career summit was a fantastic series of conversations all about not only how to find your dream job, the perfect opportunity to transition into clean energy as a career, but also how as an industry we can improve the concepts of hiring with justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. We had some amazing conversations around that and you're about to hear one of those right now. You can always find all of the resources and learn more about this episode over on the blog at mysuncast.com. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. As the clean energy industry is growing, we, like many other industries, face uh, a tough uh, situation, uh, just like our nation, the United States, and in many ways, our world. And that is that uh, we have grown as an industry, uh, and I've noticed as a 15-year veteran in the industry that uh, we've grown in a way that is not representative of uh, the community that not only we want to support, empower, and enable, uh, but it's not representative of the type of leadership and the type of inclusiveness that we all aspire to. Uh, With that in mind, and trying to build a bridge between other segments of, uh, of STEM as a, as a category in particular, uh, as well as finance and high tech, uh, we at Suncast believe that there's a need to build a bridge for us to attract more high quality talent into the clean energy industry. That conversation we invite you into over the next couple of days. Uh, we're really, really excited about uh, not only this morning's first chat with uh, Erica, but the two-day lineup of conversations, networking, workshops, and then all day Thursday, we're bringing you a series of workshops explicitly focused on helping you integrate some of the learning, either as uh, uh, someone in a career transition or as a hiring manager or executive trying to integrate more DNI, diversity, inclusion, tactics, and practices into your specific workflow. As the guiding voice in the solar industry, as we've uh, not only named ourselves, but uh, believe that we have, uh, have been able to, um, to become, we uh, like to work with industry leaders. One of those leaders is our title sponsor, LightSource BP. We're so thankful for a sponsor uh, in LightSource and the partnership that they have given us to help bring this content to life and bring it to you. Thanks also to Soul Systems, Solaris Global, 
and all of our subject matter experts who not only are partnering here as uh, panelists and speakers, but have worked with us tirelessly over the last eight weeks as we put together this program for you. Thanks to PV Magazine, PV Buzz, and other media partners like Soil Energy Trade Shows who have helped share this message so that you would have exposure and uh, be able to join us uh, in this very important conversation. So we talked a bit about why the Career Summit. We're going to talk this morning about why diversity and inclusion matters. Uh, a quick note, if you're watching live on LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, I'd encourage you to go over to suncastcareersummit.com. There you can register for our free pass, which is access to all of the interviews. Uh, you can also register for all access, which is the interviews, the networking sessions, and the workshops and replays through Friday. And for those of you who maybe don't have time, maybe you're watching this uh, in your work break or in the spare gaps that you can grab, you might wanna register for the Evergreen Pass. That's access into perpetuity to all the activities that we have going on this week. Uh, questions, if you are uh, watching live, should be posted in the chat function on the Summit website. Again, that's Suncast Clean, uh, suncastcareersummit.com. Go to the session. Uh, hopefully you're there watching this now. You can post in the comments either in LinkedIn or Twitter if you're there, and we'll certainly get those funneled to us as well. Uh, and we are so grateful for your questions as we dive into this conversation. Uh, and lastly, if you have joined through registration, you've been invited to our private exclusive community where beyond the summit, you have access, exclusive access to the speakers, to us as a team, uh, even with a free ticket. And on the Summit website, you can see that community in comments in the bottom right. It's a really cool integ integration that we have uh, on the website. Uh, so access to exclusive uh, content and speakers, access to workshops, job postings, candidate pools, and much, much more. Uh, World-class companies like NextTracker, LightSource, Solar Energy International, Madison Energy, and others have posted jobs. And candidates are raising their hand to say, I'm looking for a role. And you get access to me and my team. So that's a few of the ways that you can get uh, involved with the Suncast community, and we're so proud to bring content like this to you each and every week. The Career Summit is the culmination of several months of us asking within our community, how can we support the hiring process? How can we support job candidates who are looking to get into, transition into the career uh, that they want in clean energy? Today, we're going to be meeting with Erica Jefferson. As I mentioned before, she's the president and founder of Black Women in Society, excuse me, Black Women in Science and Engineering, otherwise known as BYs. It's an organization focused on bridging the leadership gap for Black women in STEM. Erica has been a tireless leader uh, helping folks in oil and gas, as well as many other verticals of energy, uh, helping leadership and executives uh, expand the scope of how uh, and who they hire. Erica, welcome. Morning. To the show. Morning. So good to see you again. Good to see you too. Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Fantastic. Oh, it's our pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, it's always fun. I mean, these, these summits in particular, where we have multiple speakers, multiple conversations, it's fun to be able to see uh, in a non-Zoom environment how everyone's sort of living out their lives in this virtual world. So we're glad to, uh, to be able to Zoom to bring you in uh, here with us. And I want to invite uh, the audience into a discussion that you are engaged with by the nature of your work, uh, by the nature of your uh, track record and history in the energy industry every single day. But I think that it's woefully misunderstood. So 
we're calling this a fireside chat about DNI. So let's just start there. How would we define diversity and inclusion? And, and by the way, I've heard D, E, and I, and we're using D and I just to be a little easier to say, but maybe you could unpack that for us. What does this even mean? Sure. And in full disclosure, I am a chemical engineer by education. I am not a practitioner of DNI, but through my work with BYs over the last almost six years, um, working with, with organizations that are looking to increase the number of underrepresented folks in their workforce, uh, I've come about this uh, that way. So uh, DNI, diversity and inclusion, or DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is really I feel a catch-all term for, you know, the work that companies are starting to do uh, in regards to equity and fairness in their workforce. I look at it as, you know, doing the right thing, right? Looking everywhere for talent as it, re as it relates to recruitment. And then once you recruit those folks, being able to retain them because you're treating them equitably and with respect. So, you know, it seems like it's something that, you know, it's complicated and and complex, but if you're just doing the right thing by people, um, you're you're practicing that every day. Yeah, doing the right thing by people and diversity uh, in hiring practices, in particular, bringing folks from more diverse backgrounds into the into the industry broadly. Uh, I feel like it's it's rarely uh, executed well. Uh, can we talk a bit about? Uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna pause for a second. Perhaps my video or audio is is glitchy. Um, if it is, uh, I'll I'll try to remedy that. Are you hearing me okay, Erica? No, you look good. You look good and you sound good. So looks good on my end. <laughs> nice. Nice. Fantastic. Well, um, it, it wasn't a, that wasn't an attempt for an ego stroke there, but thank you. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about just diversity from a statistical perspective. H how do we break down the broadly what diversity looks like with regard to STEM? I, I know there are a lot of folks who promote diversity of thought, um, but, you know, just from a realistic standpoint, if you have all people with similar backgrounds, similar education levels, you know, of course, you could have diversity of thought in a household of children, right? Because they're all different. They have the same genetic makeup. But in a, a business environment, especially if you're, you're producing goods and services that uh, sell directly to the public, you've got to be more aware that your potential customer base is diverse, meaning they have folks of all abilities, all orientations, all backgrounds, all races, all gender, well, all genders. Um, and so you have to be mindful of that. Number one, that's just the right thing to do, right? Whether it's, you know, good for business or not, that's just the right thing to do. Now, in regards to business, as we see things become more complicated, you're going to have more things that are going to be automated, more technology involved in these jobs. And there today is not enough people trained to do this work. So, you know, there's just not enough of, you know, the bros, you know, that historically have been involved in technology. Um, so you're going to have to find folks that can do the work, whether they have done it before, um, 
to, to, to getting into these new career fields such as solar. So I think it's critical that mm-hmm. employers, universities uh, start, you know, encouraging folks to look outside the box. We're always encouraging folks to think outside the box and come up with new technologies and new ways of, of doing business. Uh, but we can't be so inclusive that, you know, all the folks that work with us, we know, or they went to our school or they're the same age. You know, that's just not, you know, the world, the, the world today. The world is very diverse and getting more so. So just trying to make sure that folks, number one, understand the real uh, talent market and then seeing that the changes in the world uh, are going to affect them and their ability to hire. Yeah. Well, you have been specifically focused on the energy sector. Is uh, Does the energy sector reflect uh, the way that diversity uh, and inclusion maybe is represented broadly in STEM, or is it is it different? I think if you look at gross numbers, you know, meaning from senior executives to, you know, maybe uh, middle skills folks that are working but just don't necessarily have to do their job uh, with a, a college degree, it probably is more representative uh, of everyone. Uh, but when you look at leadership and folks that are in positions, you know, that, you know, make a you know significant income, it's actually absolutely not diverse. Um, if you look at the numbers, yeah. you know, just across all energy, whether that's oil and gas, nuclear, solar, natural gas, you know, it's it's pretty much white males uh, in the in the majority, uh, probably followed by white females and then uh, to a lesser degree other um, diverse groups. Uh, so that part is actually not representative. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, several years ago, or maybe 10 or 20 years ago, you did have probably more, uh, diverse candidates working in the utilities, for instance. Um, I'm not sure if that mm-hmm. has maintained, uh, that way, but what, what companies, you know, desperately need to understand is, you know, there's a whole new industry and in technology, you know, with, you know, the large, uh, big uh, tech companies that didn't exist 20 years and you and they're pulling talent to their industry. So where you once you could, you know, recruit hundreds of talented college graduates into energy, those folks have a whole new path. And, you know, to be frank, you know, they're just not interested in, in doing some of the jobs that you know, those of us who've been in STEM for a long time have done. So there are these companies' ability to attract anyone, whether it's diverse folks or at all, um, is 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 decreasing. And so you're going to have to stem that tide some kind of way. Yeah. Well, in the solar industry where I've been uh, uh, operating mm-hmm. for the most part uh, for the last 15 or so years, uh, we have a uh, relatively poor track record of diversity. It's something that has become uh, fairly well identified. Uh, even here on Suncast, for the most part, uh, for the podcast, that is, uh, the first couple of years, maybe even the first three years, we're going on five now, uh, we had something like 90% male uh, guests. I'm proud, that, proud to say that we're over 30% female guests, uh, but still woefully underrepresented mm-hmm. in uh, minorities and people of the LGBTQ community. Um, it's, it's an ongoing effort, uh, even in the media uh, side of the business that, we, uh, that we're constantly focused on. But broadly, numbers for the solar industry don't paint a pretty picture. 
73% white, 88% of those at the executive level. Uh, executive leadership is over 80% male. Um, there are stats around uh, that, that confirm uh, that glass ceiling that we'll talk about tomorrow, uh, where women uh, categorically make less in the same position. Um, you know, the good news is it's one of the fastest growing job sectors in the U.S. Um, so, you know, I think the, the question for us around um, around DNI and expanding the opportunity here um, really comes from uh, from a deep sense of, and this is, I think, tied to STEM as well. It's one of the things I want to explore. A deep sense of, as an industry, a need for technical skills. And there are sort of two levels of technical skills. There's the there's the wrenches and sort of uh, tradesmen technical skills where we do see a lot more diversity. And then there's the professional level of skills where uh, we often will see job descriptions say five years experience required, which is itself a very limiting factor. So there's a clear need for talent with a wide background and scope. But where are they? You know, when you look at the numbers and I speak, you know, specifically to our organization, 25,000 black women get degrees in science and engineering every year. So when you extrapolate that back 30 years that's almost three quarters of a million, but you don't see them. You're still seeing one. Yeah. I mean, if you're fortunate, you may have one in a department, but many times uh, I'm seeing, you know, just one woman or one uh, African-American or Hispanic or a Native American woman in these companies or in these organizations. And, you know, there's kind of a two pronged issue. There's the lack of recruitment. We're just not able to recruit uh, women and other folks uh, to these type of industries and careers. And then, you know, the industries themselves have some work to do as far as being able to retain. If you don't see a clear path for advancement, um, most people just aren't going to stay. And certainly with, I would say, the millennial and, and, and younger generations, you know, they're looking for, you know, direction and how they could, you know, achieve, you know, higher levels in their career relatively shortly. So if you don't make it easy of what am I going to be doing in the next, you know, three to five years, they're going to move on. Now, what I, what I will say about younger generations, I think they are more concerned in um, things that affect all of us, more concerned about alternative energy like solar. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to push them into it. I think they're looking for ways to give back and make the world, you know, better. Uh, but we've just got to do a better job with marketing. You know, every company, you know, of size has both a HR mm -hmm. department and a marketing department. But yet I, I'd be curious yeah. to see how many of them are actually working together. And, and I tell folks, you are marketing. Recruiting is a marketing role. You are trying to yes. tell people that your jobs and your company is great. And so if yeah. you're not doing that, you can't you know, blame this war on talent, the shortage of talents. I hear that so much. It's almost like makes my eyes cross. Um, uh, when yeah. I know that I've gone to industry events, there are no recruiters there. I've gone to events focused on women or underrepresented groups. There's no recruiters there. So I think we have to really take an honest look at what our efforts have been and what they need to be um, in order to address these issues. Yeah, you know, I hear this a lot, uh, folks saying, I just can't find diverse candidates and those that are qualified. And uh, it sounds like there's both a search 
And as you say, a marketing problem. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I was, I was, I hate to use the word literally, it's so overused. I was just having <laughs> this conversation with uh, a good friend of mine at a, a very, very well-known uh, global uh, manufacturing organization last night who they've uh, posted job candidates in our private community. Mm-hmm. And she runs marketing and she was saying, yeah, the, our HR department just uh, it isn't doing a great job of marketing. So it falls to the VP of global marketing to really get the word out about these jobs. Um, uh, it's, I, I agree with you. It is uh, a bit of a marketing problem. Um, you look at there's so much interest in DNI uh, in the in the marketplace broadly. Um, so if we turn our focus to how do we address uh, the strong need and desire in the market? When I speak to uh, CEOs and executives uh, like Mike Healy and Matt Hankey, who are going to speak on a panel later today about this very topic, uh, they are uh, hiring consultants. They're sort of building plans internally. Um, but I, I want to ask, from your perspective, uh, are we perhaps looking at the problem backwards? The way the observations I've made is it's, it's a lot like solar companies who will go out and buy leads before they've implemented and, and refined their CRM or before they've trained their internal sales team to be operationally efficient to handle leads. How do you see companies perhaps inverting the model inadvertently right now with regard to integrating diverse and inclusive practices? I see, you know, organizations across the board, not just energy, but uh, certainly uh, anything that uh, touches our lives, really, um, wanting to start at the at the top. Right. So we talked a little bit this prior uh, to this event. And, you know, with the social unrest and COVID and all things, there's just a, a, a knee jerk reaction. Oh, my gosh, we've got to we've got to do something. We've got to say something, you know, especially for those folks, you know, their cultures, you know, haven't been that welcoming, you know, to want to rush out and hire, you know, consultants basically to put a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. And I always say that you can't fix the problem in your company or organization of 15 to 20 years in six months. It just doesn't work that way. And so it's going to take some very difficult conversations. It's going to take investment. And I tell everyone, you know, people who make things, who provide services, that's your business. That is what you do day in and day out. (laughs) But for some reason, you know, I I understand it's to, to cut costs or keep costs down um, and try to do things in-house. And, you know, it's like the person who represents themselves in court, right? The person who has themselves as a lawyer has a full for a client, right? You're just not capable. You, you need to focus on doing what your shareholders expect is return revenue and profitability, and then hire folks that not just in name, but results. So in, in addition, I'm, I'm probably the worst person about this because not only am I an engineer, I'm a Lean Six Sigma. So I see everything as how can I fix this? How can I optimize this? And so when I hear folks, yeah. you know, lament, you know, their issues with finding diverse candidates, I'm like, but you, you haven't even identified why, you know, that's important to you or, you know, what your desired outcome. So there's a lot of work that's needed to be done. Um, I'm not sure all uh, organizations are, 
you know, doing it correctly, as you mentioned. Some folks are wanting to mm-hmm. start at the stop at the top, right? They want to rush out and start, you know, hiring diverse candidates. But if you don't have an inclusive culture, those folks aren't going to stay, right? So you've invested all this time and money, and then you know, a year later, you're you're just as diverse as you always have been. So it's important to do that yeah. foundational work first. You know, it's the time of year where folks start moving around from business to business, job to job career transition is at its peak and it's often a time where folks look to someone else to help organize their thoughts and guide their principles i've spent the last 15 years in renewables i've spent the last five years coaching founders and startup executives in this space specifically and for the last year i've been helping folks transition out of oil and gas and other industries into renewables and i've found that there are a few things that are commonalities. I'd like to invite you, if that sounds like something you're interested in, to have a conversation with me about whether or not coaching might be in your future and working with me might be something that would help level up your business or your personal career path. You can fill out an application over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the work with me button in the very top right And everyone who fills out an application, I'm going to set up a 15-minute clarity call. So I'd invite you to run, fill that out if this sounds remotely interesting to you. And let's have a chat. See if there is, in fact, a fit. I look forward to chatting soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Suncast. Let me know if I can help you in other ways. Over in the chat, uh, Doug Lineman on on LinkedIn actually just posted, uh, the problem lies in the stagnant repose of our current 25-year-old education system, the lack of means to support qualifying truly new jobs in the United States, right? It's so true. Where do you see innovation with respect to uh, helping uh, qualify these new jobs, but but also uh, education for these organizations on getting their house in order first before they go out and try to attract that talent? Are there places that you recommend folks look? Well, let me back up a little bit and say that sure. I think the key here is lack of critical skills, lack of critical thinking skills. We're just not teaching that, you know, universally in universities and colleges, you know, especially for, yeah. you know, highly technical areas like science and engineering. I've got BWISE members who are hiring managers and they're saying young folks are coming out and they're Googling things, right? They're, you know, you're on a, you know, a, a platform out in the North Sea and you're Googling, you know, how to do things. You're at a refinery and you're Googling things. That's just beyond, that's not acceptable. It's unsafe, right? That you haven't learned the fundamentals, you know, of your job. And so I think that squarely lies on the shoulders of education, the educational system, the secondary uh, university programs. You've got to stop pushing kids, especially in these fields. Now, I can't speak to the other ones, accounting, finance and things like that. But certainly when folks lives, you know, are uh, in the in the in the brink of, you know, people with this uh, training or supposed training, relying on them to be able to know how to act safely. So um, I, I think there's a great opportunity to your point or to your question that some of these these professional societies and organizations can step up and I think, you know, fill in the gap 
right? So for our engineering disciplines or engineering societies, you know, provide some ongoing training for young people, right? So by the time you get to be 20 years yeah. in your career, you, you probably, you've seen so much and experienced so much, you don't need as much. There's certainly always, you know, room to improve and learn and grow. But early on, I feel like, you know, the universities, not all, but a lot of them, you know, have, you know, cash the check, cash those tuition checks, and they're just focused on pushing students out the door. They're not necessarily, you know, focused on, did they learn what they came here to learn? And are they going to be able to, you know, get gain, get gainful employment and excel in their careers? I'm just not seeing that by and large. So I think there's, you know, organizations like the professional societies and others that would, you know, be incredible to help with this. Yeah. The um, you mentioned before that there is uh, there are technology and frameworks uh, that folks are beginning to implement. And sometimes they rush out to the technology and the consultants before getting their house in order. But right. assuming that folks through the course of this week or through the course of and through the course of very intentional direct work internally get to the place where uh, they're ready to start their uh, their their search. What recommendations do you have or what's worked well for you, both from technology that could be implemented as well as frameworks for making decisions about hiring? Right. I think, you know, the first one is get serious that this is important to you. And it can't be, you know, idle words or, you know, it's, you know, a quote on your website if Number one, staying in business is important to you. Then diversity and inclusion has to be important because, as I mentioned, the world is changing. It's becoming more diverse. And if you haven't invested in the areas where you can find talent everywhere, you're going to be left behind. I tell our corporate partners, you know, who ask me these questions, you know, what, what can we do? What should we be doing? That talent management is of utmost. It's, it's as important as any other function and I believe diversity and inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion should be as, as important to the business bottom line as revenue and safety. So the same importance, we cannot be, you know, number one, asking our employees to do the heavy lifting, right? You've got your full-time job, but then you're also tasked with, you know, leading the efforts to make your company more inclusive. Now, should that be mm -hmm. happening? Yes. Uh, but they can't do everything, right? So spend the money. You invest in other mm -hmm. things that you feel are important. Spend the money. Take the time to do the research. I see a lot of times, folks. Oh, can you recommend a DNI expert? And I mean, I feel like that's so rel relative to the industry. Um, that's so relative to your company culture. Yeah. You know, hiring a DNI person that's familiar with big tech. It's probably going to be different than hiring one for solar because those are different demographics. Those are different types of people who work in those areas. So I say take the time to, to look inside, uh, do some, you know, evaluation before you spend that first dollar. Um, why are we doing this? Is this really important to us? If it's not, yeah. keep operating the way you've been now. It's not going to work out for you. Your competitors mm -hmm. are making changes. So, you know, there is an option of do nothing, but. You know, that's that's not sustainable for continued uh, business growth. Well, for the for the hiring managers that uh, are 
they're struggling with, uh, they've made the decision, they've done the work. Uh, any advice on how they can connect? Maybe uh, there are, uh, maybe there are resources within BeWise, but is there, uh, is this something that's most often navigated from within your own network? Are there uh, websites and other places that folks are, are collecting to discuss the topic? There are, you know, there's so much information you can get from the Google machine. It's just amazing. Uh, I know hiring managers typically have a full plate. And so that's why they typically, you know, defer and rely on HR folks. Um, but I was a hiring manager once. And I can tell you that the quality of folks that were brought to me were not to the level that I expected. Um, so these are, you know, these potential candidates are going to be on your team. So I would encourage hiring, hiring managers to get more involved in the process. You know, HR should be a, a supplement or a, a assistance to you, right? They should not be making the final decisions on who you hire for your team. Um, they should, I, I get so many calls from HR people asking me very technical questions, which I know they don't know or understand why they're asking. And so yeah. that falls back on the hiring manager. You know, you've got to take a bigger role in the hiring of folks on your team. Um, you've got to have a better, you know, way to explain to the HR folks that are supporting you what characteristics and requirements are truly important. I just had a conversation uh, maybe a couple of days ago about, you know, hiring managers who are looking for the impossible, right? This purple squirrel. You want to hire these purple squirrels who, first of all, don't exist. And then why would a purple squirrel, a rock star, whatever you want to call them, why would they leave where they're probably being treated quite, quite well to take a lateral role? Mm -hmm. And you're hoping for less money, right? You're, you're not hoping to, to, to pay them a lot. You're hoping they'll take, you know, at the bottom of your range. So we just got to get realistic, um, get realistic. I yeah. think, you know, for all the complaints about the millennial generation, they have really shaken up. Uh, organizations and HR that, you know, the status quo is no longer acceptable. We can't do what we've already, always mm -hmm. done. It does not work. Um, so I say get engaged. There are organizations such as BYs. There's other organizations that are more um, on the advocate side that are informative. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily, you know, providing solutions. They're just really sharing information that's readily available. So I say do a little work. Um, we can't just... Yeah fall back and, and, and shift the responsibilities to, you know, other functions or other entities that, you know, are not going to be involved in, you know, working with folks that we hire day to day. Absolutely. You know, one of the things with BYs, uh, you do spend a lot of time with, uh, with women in uh, traditional energy and high tech jobs who are in career transition, mm -hmm. uh, given that they're on the other side of the paradigm trying to find these opportunities, how do you help them think through marketing themselves? Perhaps those who are watching today are in career, career search, career transition. What advice might you have from the depth of experience that you've gleaned helping thousands of women find that next role, um, uh, break through the glass ceiling, as it were? That's a great question. And I would say, you know, especially for, for technical folks, scientists and engineers, we're just not that great at marketing ourselves, right? We're, you know, really, you know, straightforward and direct. This is what I did. You know, we're not trying to sell, sell ourselves and, and convince folks how wonderful we'll, we'll be. We're like, this is what I did. Take it or leave it. Um, so I'm encouraging folks, 
number one, you know, take a hard look at your skill set. Um, I know for me, mm-hmm. writing a resume was equal to going to the dentist. I hate that. <laughs> it's just not a pleasant experience of talking yeah. about myself and my accomplishments, but you got to get past that. You really have to do, you know, some, you know, introspective uh, thoughts on where you are, who you are, and where you want to be with your career. There's certainly all kind of, you know, books and websites that can assist with that. Um, and then everyone has transferable skills. And I think sometimes in the energy industry, we get so you know, narrow focused that only folks who worked in oil and gas can work in oil and gas, right? You know, except for, you know, college students and recent graduates, right? We're very, you know, I don't know what the word is, but uh, low to hire folks from other industries because you just don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. You just don't know how to do it. And I'm like, you know, everybody, even if you go to a competitor doing the exact same job, you'd have to learn there. So, you know, on that side, make yourself, you know, indispensable, right? If you've done some really cool things and a lot of folks have done things uh, in their careers, you know, but it was, you know, just what we do, right? Everyone is not going to have the huge, big, you know, million dollar project that they get a chance to work on. Uh, so look, look for other things that are impactful that can highlight Number one, your critical thinking skills, because that's important. You can take that anywhere, any industry, any type of job, if you can do that. And then look for areas where you've innovated, where you've you know, brought you know, results, whether that's cost savings or increased, uh, increased uh, revenue uh, to show companies, this is not just what I did. This is also what I can do for your organization. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I find all too often, we've got, a, a as you know, um, a case study group where we're helping uh, several women uh, think through how to transition into clean energy as a way to really understand and unpack this idea of the skill sets required and how to translate those skills. Uh, and we found that not only are folks in career transition not focused enough on identifying and translating their career uh, goals and their career skills, the fundamental transferable skills, uh, but hiring managers aren't willing to do that work for you. They're not going to look at your resume and think to themselves, oh, they did this in this other industry, and that could potentially translate to this other way of contributing to our organization. So that's, that's the t- kind of deep work that uh, a, a candidate needs to do. But also, I find that a lot of folks only think in the vernacular of the industry they've served. So oil and gas, or uh, maybe it's uh, biomedical, and they will have, uh, you know, skills or metrics translated into what that industry values as opposed to doing the research and qualifying how those metrics or values are meaningful within the industry that you want to go into if it's solar for example um i I know that you do some consulting with with uh folks within bwise have you developed any sort of templates or worksheets that we might be able to make available to folks who are watching We've got some things uh, focused. I did a, a seminar with uh, American Institute of Chemical Engineers last year on how to recruit, retrain um, uh, diverse engineers. And so we certainly have some information we can share with your folks. Uh, but I would say the key is, especially I've seen this in oil and gas, we get so deep you know, into that industry 
um, acronyms, uh, you know, I can always tell, you know, without even looking at what companies they work for when I see, you know, specific acronyms on people's resumes, which mean nothing outside of oil and gas. It doesn't mean anything. People don't know what that is. And so I think, yeah. you know, have, have a resume, you know, have a body of work that people can say, wow, this is amazing without, mm-hmm. you know, having to look up what some of the words on your resume are, right? I don't know, you know, this word, I don't know how important that is, you know, working on a, you know, cat cracker, I don't know if that's, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know if that's important or not. So, you know, especially for folks, I would say in oil and gas, as we've seen, you know, the, the price of barrels come down, you know, the tens of thousands of layoffs, you know, folks honestly are going to have to take a hard look and decide, and I, am I willing to just continue looking for jobs in this industry? Because it's getting more competitive. So now you've got younger people coming into the industry at lower salaries that you're also competing yeah. with. And so do I still want to stay in these industries that historically have had, you know, eight, every 18 months of layoffs, right? They're laying off somewhere for something, right? Do I want to maintain that? Or do I want to look at other ways to apply my information and knowledge and experience in, in, in the energy industry? And I think, you know, solar is a wonderful one, wonderful way to transition, um, you know, to, to areas that, you know, you can apply your learning and your experience as well. Yeah, and uh, indeed. Well, uh, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we provide for folks is a way to find the resources that BeWise has available. Obviously, you have a huge contingent of women. Uh, how would someone who wants to learn more, and we might want to uh, caveat that it's not just women that are part of BeWise, how would they learn more about BeWise and get and sort of become a part of your uh, vortex of influence as well? Sure. So I'm, I'm preaching about uh, engineers promoting and I always forget to promote myself. So by education, I am a chemical engineer, but I have not done that in many, many years, as many of our members also. Our organization is focused um, on bridging that leadership gap and getting more women in senior level positions in industry, government and academia, as well as encouraging women who want to take that leap into STEM entrepreneurship. I'm sure, Nico, as you know, being a STEM entrepreneur is a whole nother level of entrepreneurship, right? You know, it's one thing to you know, have a, uh, a law firm or, a, you know, other, you know, uh, a support uh, effort type firm. But, you know, if you're a engineering firm owner or a architectural firm owner, that is, you know, besides the need for capital, uh, the intensity for capital, just a lot of work that goes into that. So for folks who are interested in doing those things, we want to provide the support because uh, it's not like working in a corporate job. Entrepreneurship, as you know, is very, very different. It's not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. And so being able to provide the resources and assistance for folks who are interested in that also. But you're absolutely right. We can't do this work at BYS without having, you know, everybody uh, to help us. And so we couldn't be a diverse organization and not be diverse ourselves. So anyone is welcome. Don't let that title of Black Women in Science and Engineering fool you or dissuade you from joining us. You don't you do not have to be a black woman. You do not have to be a scientist or engineer. Although I, I jokingly say I will be giving uh, calculus quizzes upon entrance. So if you want to join us, you have to pass this calculus. No, I'm just joking. You do not. Uh, but the we bar are is raised. <laughs> uh, I probably couldn't pass a calculus quiz at this point. Um, ah. But, you know, we're very inclusive. We welcome all. We have a diverse 
you know, group of folks that are, you know, part uh, of our organization and help us do so many wonderful things. So I just want to welcome everyone to join us. Uh, we do see things from the lens of a black woman. And so I think hopefully we're just chipping away at, you know, uh, racism and sexism and other isms uh, that impede uh, everyone's ability to uh, find gainful employment. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, Erica, I want to take a, a moment and say thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to share with us your uh, from your depth of wisdom and experience. Uh, I love that not only you're raising the bar, uh, but you're uh, you're raising the tide for so many who strive for excellence and who are confronted with the daily challenges that perhaps myself and others. Uh, in in my position, haven't had to haven't had to overcome in our career. I'm grateful for folks like you in our uh, ecosystem, helping guide us and inform us uh, and shine light where we have to do the internal work, as you suggested early. Uh, and we, we will certainly be looking forward to your participation in uh, the Suncast Tribe uh, over in our Circle community, as I uh, mentioned in the beginning. For those of you who this conversation piqued your interest. You'd like to engage with Erica more. You can find her, of course, at bysusa.org. I would encourage you to jump in where we do have exclusive uh, access to our speakers who are participating in our private community. Uh, you can find that by registering at suncastcareersummit.com. Uh, you'll get an email prompting you to join uh, our Suncast tribe, uh, where you can find job opportunities, you can post job opportunities, you can interact with our community of I think about 90 or so folks that have joined in there. We've got another uh, almost 300 over on Facebook and the Clean Energy Guild. Lots of ways to engage with us. Uh, Erica, one uh, quick comment that came in that I wanted to share from uh, Jonas, another friend uh, that is over in Europe, worked for Schneider Electric. He says, Schneider takes DNI very seriously. And I think this is one great example of a global company with, um, with great reputation who uh, he says simply can't, it became one central point in the company culture. A lot of internal and external efforts have been and are taken in this area. Internal courses for employees that are mandatory, supporting and kicking off various initiatives, and even competitions for attracting talent and training students and offering um, internships. Uh, it was very professional, both inter internal and external communication strategy. So kudos to Schneider, a little plug for John. Great job. And, Great um, job. And I know that's leading to additional uh, successes and retention. We talk a lot about the pipeline and the early folks. Uh, but if you don't figure out why they're not going to stay, you're not only not going to keep the ones that you have, you're not going to be able to keep the ones that come in behind that. So great job, Schneider. Electric. Yeah, indeed. And thanks. And thanks so much, uh, Janos, and all of you who are watching live and commenting in YouTube or LinkedIn. Uh, we're so grateful that you are, are present. Uh, we, we have those uh, channels open for you to ask questions. Most of the questions, in fact, all the questions that did come through, uh, I already had on our lineup. So uh, really grateful to see that there was some synergy there. I do want to remind you, as I just mentioned, to check out suncastcareersummit.com, where we have more fantastic sessions just like this one. Coming up right after this, we have our uh, our fa our speed networking that's going to be for all of you all access pass holders and everyone inside of our private community. We have a speed networking session. Uh, you can grab the link inside of our community. Please join 
that immediately following this. Another thanks to our sponsor, uh, LightSource VP, for being the title sponsor to bring this event to you all. And a nod to all of those with All Access and Evergreen Pass tickets who not only have access to all of our uh, additional events like workshops and the networking, but also uh, to replays of this and future sessions that we host. Uh, reminder that you can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and again, join our Suncast Tribe community. Erica, look forward to seeing you in the community, and we're so grateful to have this conversation with you. Thank you for inviting me. This has been phenomenal. I'm looking forward to continued work with you in support of what you're doing uh, to an increase uh, exposure of folks to the solar industry and alternative industry and clean tech. All right, that's a wrap on today's conversation, Solar Warriors. But I do hope that you'll check out the other Two for Tuesday episodes and let me know what you think of these shorter format discussions. You want more like this? You can find more than 200 episodes, resources, highlights from the discussions, along with social media links to each guest episode, book recommendations, and so much more over on the blog at mysuncast.com. And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with the Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly emails or even joining the exclusive inner circle we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. A special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Follow the links there for any offers we've discussed here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>